0: Operation Wolf, the time has come for someone to teach the terrorist what terror is all about. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean.
1: And I'm Sam.
0: And, uh, you know, the listeners won't know this, but it's it's been a minute for the three of us to get together and record an episode. Uh, yeah, psych, guys, we don't always record them live. Uh, we do some pre-recording, <laughs> but this one is fairly live. Uh, we're recording on Wednesday, August 4th, and I think it's going live on Friday, August 6th. Sixth. So I swear I know how to say 6 6th Six.
1: You're really pulling Sixth. back the curtain. Yeah. yeah, usually don't do this.
0: A lot more wide open than I thought it would be. It's a whole new show now. We, yeah. you know, when you take a break, you you take some time. I was, you know, I was sitting on the sands and I was listening to the waves and I was like, maybe that's the podcast. Maybe yeah, it's I, just. Can I tell them, yeah. Mike? Can Mike I got shipwrecked. <laughs> oh, God. what do you want?
2: What do you want to tell them, Sean? <laughs> Mike, Mike was shipwrecked for a full month. And that's, that's sort of what put us behind. Thank God we had some backup episodes uh, while the Coast Guard was looking for you. Yes.
0: Uh, <laughs> and uh, I spent I was actually shipwrecked on the very island where Town and Country Surf Design's Wacky Water Rage was, yeah. uh, takes place. And, um, I don't even think that's the name of the game, honestly, at that point. I think I combined <laughs> the game with, like, a Hanna-Barbera
2: cartoon. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Rocky and Bullwinkle. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Uh, but, no, yeah, I spent some time. I was listening to the Waves, and I was like, oh, maybe this is the podcast. Maybe it's just gameplay audio.
2: Maybe it's we ASMR uh, of Hawaii.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Sam, what should the podcast be going
1: forward? Hmm, I think we should be a Shipwreck podcast.
2: Oh, and just talk about all the best shipwrecks. Yeah, no, might not have been done yet.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, everyone knows the Titanic, and there's like Spanish galleons off the coast of Florida and stuff. But I don't really know anything beyond that. I don't really know a lot of a lot of shipwrecks, but I'm sure they're
2: there. That is copyright. You can't make a podcast about that unless we do first. Uh, any listeners that are yeah, getting that's true, right yeah.
0: And you also can't do any podcasts about the movie Chipwrecked, the the <laughs> Alvin and the Chipmunks. Um, I think that was the the third movie in the quadrilogy that is the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie series. Uh, because Chipwrecked is so close to Shipwrecked, I feel like you know we have
2: some kind of you know intellectual rights on yeah. it as well. Definitely like a waiver of some sort. Uh, but I want to I want to go back. I want to go back. <laughs> That is probably one of the coolest back-of-the-box phrases that I've ever heard, Mike.
0: It's true. I I actually thought at first it was a little cheesy, but then I'm thinking, like, wait a minute. Put yourself back in 1989 and imagine you're seven years old. I think I'm sold on that back-of-the-box. I'm entirely sold. At that point, you know, first off, who likes terrorists? Nobody. (laughs) Not me. But who would like to teach them what terror is about? I would okay so Just then <laughs> you, you were probably yeah you were probably somebody who bought this game
2: i would have bought um, this game
0: I, and then like i feel like you know that on its own is a lot more interesting than um probably what the game actually is in the sense of like st- you know there there is a story in this game and you're you're traveling along uh there's a plot a ger- yeah there's a plot um do we want to talk a little bit about that plot before we get into the actual gameplay?
2: Yeah. So, you know, in, uh, in this game, you are a rescue force or a dude in a rescue operation uh, in some undisclosed tropical country that I imagine the United States or some Western nation is at war with. Um, and you are trying to locate and then rescue prisoners of war while using your Nintendo Entertainment System light gun. Otherwise known as the Zapper. Otherwise known as Zapper.
0: That, that, thank you for that account. I, and, um, you know, at the end of the game, too, the U.S. president does uh, either congratulate you or frown upon you based on your performance in the game, depending on how many hostages you saved. But, you know, the, the idea of, like, you're going in to save these hostages, I felt like, and maybe this is a little bit too much in the gameplay section that we haven't covered yet, but I felt like there wasn't a lot of creative solves, especially, you know, with something (laughs) like a zapper, on how to save these hostages. It kind of boiled down to the same thing almost every single time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I really... Okay, so if you're going to make a light gun game, I don't know how many creative ways you can solve, like, save the guys that are surrounded by people that you can shoot. That doesn't involve shooting, but um, you well, can. Shoot for instance, people. you know,
0: yeah, they're tied to a rope, and it's about to—they're going to f- they're gonna be f- like you know, uh, feed feed to the sharks or something. But you can use the light gun to shoot the rope and cut them away before they get into the pool of sharks. This is your idea. That's my idea, right? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. happen in the game.
2: I feel like if you shot the rope. If they're hovering a bunch of pool of sharks, you just...
0: No, no, no. The crane hasn't moved them there yet. It's like a time thing. You have to do
2: it before.
1: You're saying you shoot the sharks. You shoot the...
0: (laughs) That's the alternate ending. You could shoot the sharks. That's mean. Well, yeah. It's like the president would frown upon you. They'd be like, great job saving the hostage, but you killed three endangered species.
2: That's that's a big deal. I feel like what you're describing is the Vietnam War equivalent of um, Orlando Bloom throwing a Um, Orlando Bloom throwing a uh, sword for Captain Jack Sparrow to just sort of, like, stand on for a little bit. Um, It just seems very unlikely to actually occur, you know? I'm not questioning the heroic
0: nature of saving hostages or prisoners of war or anything, but this seems to be, like, you know, the most main objective in all these NES war games we're playing. It never comes down to just, like, just Defeat the opposing side. It's always like you know whether it was Jackal or um, uh, the the one with the Stallone movie Rambo. Uh, you know, it's always <laughs> like saving hostages.
2: Well, it's more uh, heroic. It's more heroic yeah, no, to defend angry. than it is to attack. I would say so
0: y- you would have a um, you would have you would be okay if the game uh, didn't have like a, a big bad or a uh, a villain at the end that, like, you do have to take down as well, like some kind of climactic finale instead.
2: I would be okay with that as well. I'm de- I am think that it fits with the design principles, like, I guess more of the storytelling uh, tropes of the day uh, to be like a, just, hey, just, just like, you know, get these guys back, you know, they're good guys. We don't want them to, to feel bad. Uh, I think that that fits, but I wouldn't be, like, against an actual... Like, villain. Villains are cool.
0: So let's talk about, you know, the Zapper portion of this game. It's an auto-scrolling Zapper game, which I feel like we've only seen one other time in – or, sorry, no, we saw it um, twice. We saw it with uh, Freedom Force, and we saw it with um, the game where – Gumshoe. Gumshoe was an auto-scrolling zapper game, whether we want to believe it or not. Um, But, all right, so this is a a game where the, you know, it it moves for you and you just shoot the enemies as they come on screen. And, you know, the enemies vary between just foot soldiers and tanks and helicopters and all that. The question I pose to you guys here is that, you know, we played games like Duck Hunt where it's just the camera is fixed and the enemies kind of roll onto screen did the auto-scrolling enhance the game, or would it have been better off as a fixed camera?
1: I I don't know if it really mattered because it's not like they interact with the background too much. So I I like it in that it's different and you see different things like they're in the you see like warehouses and things like that and it kind of gives you a, a larger sense of scope. But I don't really think it affected gameplay. That much, or at all? I'm gonna
2: say that it's uh, it's definitely a question of taste, and I'm gonna kind of bring this into left field a bit and do a comparison between, like, um, like a an on rails shooter in an arcade, like let's say Time Crisis, and um, and a more you are just a turret kind of arcade game, like let's say Big Buck Hunter or something like that. I think that, like, whether you are just sort of standing in a field and shooting things in sort of a shooting gallery versus whether you're on a moving mission is definitely, like, what like whatever kind of game you feel like playing. I, I, I kind of see that as, like, a an 1989 equivalent uh, for, like, a Duck Hunt versus... Operation Wolf does that kind of make sense or is that a little far-fetched
0: no I I hear that loud and clear because you know I actually have this for later in the show but we should just talk about it right now since you're bringing up time crisis I feel like in some ways Operation Wolf whether it's this NES game you know because it's the first time we're experiencing it like this or the arcade version of Operation Wolf this is like the prototype for a lot of those you know, uh, time crisis house of the dead, uh, style arcade games that obviously like, you know, those ones become more like in your face and deal with like duck and cover tactics and stuff like that. But for the most part, the actual like action, reaction, movement thing, it starts here with, with the fact that it is an auto scrolling zapper game and not just like a, you know, watch the ducks fly across the screen and make sure you shoot the correct ones, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. um, I, I think in in that regard, I agree with Sam. They should have done more with the backgrounds. I, I think they could have easily implemented some duck and cover stuff into this game. Maybe not for the player, because they would have asked you to use the control pad and the zapper at the same time, which is, I think, an idea that I'm perfectly fine, uh, you know, okay with using. Like, I, I don't think you can't have it where, like, the control pad is held like a remote, and you maybe just use, like, the d-pad and then the zappers in your right hand like i I think most people could manage that but forget that i still feel like the backgrounds should have been able to use like you know oh if you shoot this thing uh you know it's actually like an explosive barrel and it uh, it hurts a couple people around it instead that's like it's a power-up item that you shoot and it's it's like you could have communicated that in background design but the movement aspect of it makes the game a lot more fun uh because your eyes are always wandering with the screen moving, and uh, as characters rotate in and out of that screen, it's more, um, you know, visually pleasing, and also it makes for a more uh, engaging gameplay experience. It's more twitch. Just, uh, it's it's yes. more of like a
2: twitch reaction sort of thing. I have to, I have to describe my experience real quick as like a disclaimer. Um, it's been a while since we've played a light gun game, um, so I don't actually have access to a light gun at all times. Thankfully, this game does have a um, controller mode. That was how I had to play this game, um, but I would imagine that the light gun game is a, is a bit more engaging. Um, but I also, uh, um, does the light gun have a button on it that isn't the trigger? That is a question that I can't quite remember the answer to. Nope, it's no. just the trigger for, so for this. You game, do need, yeah. You do need another. You do need to use the controller using the during this game to use grenades.
1: Yes, you you press B and then you fu- you use the trigger on the light gun. So you yeah. do have to dual. You know, have the controller in one hand and the light gun Which in the other. An hand.
2: Interesting way to play. I don't even know how I can visualize somebody wow. playing it that way.
1: Yeah, my my stupid ass didn't
0: even think about the grenades ever because I just <laughs> you know like like it's there's just one button on the on the yeah. zapper. So. Um, were the grenades any good?
1: Oh yeah, they, grenades they take they out really vehicles.
2: worked. Yeah, vehicles are easy with those.
0: That's that's funny, but uh, that you know that kind of like created my wish list scenario there. Of using. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Sean, even if you you know because you you've held a zapper, you know you know what it's yeah. Like. I can't imagine it being like that disorienting like pe- most the average person can play ddr a game that requires you to move your feet onto arrows that don't necessarily like look like dance moves i feel like we can handle holding two different a- kinds absolutely. Of
2: controllers i so when i play these these games and we're kind of getting a little off topic and now we're just talking about the zapper in general again but when i play zapper games i'm holding it like i'm i'm holding with two hands uh i'm looking down the sights um sort of like, you know, you'd be trained to shoot a handgun. Whereas I know that some people might do it like one-handed and they could just hold the controller out to the side with another hand, or you could hold the controller up to the zapper and and sort of play it that way. I don't know how you guys did it. I know that, Mike, you didn't use it, <laughs> but um, I, I don't really know. I guess there are a few styles you could use, but all of them feel kind of, uh, kind of uh, handicapping, I don't know. Well, Sam, how did you play?
1: So I did the controller version first, uh, and I had a pretty good time with it. I thought that it was really smooth. I like that you can change your sensitivity, which you wouldn't think would be an option in an NES game, but they have a lot of different sensitivity options, which I think is a pretty forward thinking, you know addition. To have in the game, and absolutely, yeah. I was thinking, all right, this is this is fun. Let's see what it's like with a zapper. Now, I don't have a zapper. I had to emulate this game, uh, and so I'm just using a trackpad. And I got my butt handed to me. Use like when I tried to play that way, there was just no way I was fast enough um, with the trackpad. So I could barely get through the first level. Uh, it was just not. It was it was not fun. So I switched back to the controller and had a much better time.
0: I think it says something, um, not about the trackpad and not about your skills with the trackpad, but that you both played uh, controller mode and it actually worked out fairly well. Like it wasn't a total disaster because uh, the idea of using your D-pad to navigate the, uh, the cursor to where you want to shoot these enemies sounds awful on paper. So I think that's like some credit to the developers that they managed to be like, well, not everyone's going to own a Zapper and we still want them to buy our game.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was surprisingly well uh, well made for the controller. I don't know if it's just because they give you a bit more leeway. Um, I did appreciate those uh, sensitivity settings, but even though I was kind of... I, I set it to where I was moving a little faster than I would have liked to, um, it still felt like I wasn't like getting... I was missing shots that I definitely should have made. Like, it actually was a pretty solid experience, um, though it probably would have been 10 times more enjoyable had I actually had the gun in my hand.
0: So let's go around to the uh, the stages in this game, uh, which I'm, I was always confused by every single time. They present it like you're going to get a choice, you know, like you yeah. shoot. Which the which stage you want to go to. Not the case. You have to play them in a specific order. I don't know why they would lay out the level map like that.
2: Like to, It's not if even in the right floor. order. Like right. It it's just yeah. like a
0: series of boxes.
2: <laughs> it's like, oh, it's this box now. It's always going to be this box, even though it's not like in sequence.
1: Yeah, it I'm starts sorry. in the top right and then goes to the bottom right. That's not what I thought. Yeah. What is this, a clock? Yeah, I don't...
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's a clock, but the, where like... If you're going to do a clock, right? It's like make it more like a circle. It's so strange how they how they fill out these boxes. But the actual like missions themselves and what happens within them and the reward for completing them is all like a pretty neat idea for an arcade style game, you know? So like uh the first level when um when you complete the uh, the stage, it reduces the number of enemies uh, that you have to uh, eliminate in all the other stages. And then, like, in the jungle oh. stage... Yeah, in the jungle stage, when you complete that one, um, you... Sorry, not the jungle stage. The village stage. Uh, that's, like, at the end of that, now you have a chance to rest. And it actually is, like, the only stage that heals you in between uh, that and the following stage. So, like, they put in, like, some progress points into the gameplay parts of this, too, other than just, like, the story advancing. But, you know, it's it's not like... It's never enough to make you notice it. It's, it's almost like they should have put a point to make these a bigger deal. And that's why also selecting where you go probably would have been better off because then you can choose, like, okay, well, I really need to rest to heal up, so I'd rather save that for later in the game or something. Yeah. Or like, oh, I need to resupply my ammo... So I'm not going to go to this one and because then after that, like, they give you all the weapons uh, replenished. It's like th- that would have been the smarter thing to do, I feel like. You know, the rewards themselves are nice, but you don't really
2: notice them because you don't always need them. So I have a comment and I have a question. Um, sure. So my comment is the the one that I noticed in actual, like, it kind of fit with the plot of, uh, like, how you moved through the levels – Um, and I, I did notice, uh, in the next level that it did affect my status, uh, was when like you're raiding the ammo depot and you complete that level and now you have more ammo, um, than before. Um, so I guess my question is, do they, it it doesn't matter how you perform on these levels. It's just like, did you complete the level and then it gives you more ammo or it, or it gives you more, it, it gives me more health. Is that how it works? That's how it works. Okay. Yeah. So it's um again
0: like there's probably a more intuitive way to do that too because I can't imagine you know branches of rewards being that hard to program into this game. But like you know the um, the level where there's the five hostages and you have to try to protect them, it poses it like you must protect these hostages in order to get to the final stage. But it's really just save one and you can advance to the final stage. There's no like varying reward other than the alternate ending. There's no, like, varying reward for, like, well, what happens if I save three? Like, does the airport stage get a little easier? Like, that That would be a nice reward.
2: Yeah, I think this would... Um, I, I do like the integration of... Again, I'm not going to call it a story. I'm just going to call it a plot, because it's just, like, yeah, you, you first you fi- you figure it out where the hostages are, and then you go get the hostages, and then you get on a plane. Um, but... I do like that they sort of have gameplay effects, like gameplay changes that reflect the story. But I feel like if they're going to do that, if they're going to give you more health if you can when you rest at whatever point, they're going to give you more ammo when you get to the ammo field or whatever, Like, I think that that would be really cool to be like, oh, you did well in this level. Now we're going to give you more ammo. Or like, oh, you got all the dudes instead of missing a few. Now you can rest. I think that would have been a better implementation of this. I, I'm not saying that it was bad the way it is, but I think that that would have been a really cool, uh, a really cool addition if they did do it that way.
0: Yeah, and it adds even more replayability to it too, because um, you certainly get better as, as you continue to play this game. I wouldn't say that it's always the same, but like in terms of enemy patterns and stuff like that. But I did find myself. Uh, You know, the more I played the first stage like over and over and over again, the better it was to like not even
2: come close to taking damage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I guess I also had sort of a weird um, situation where I thought that the way that I performed changed like whatever the because the game does have not a cutscene, but it gives you like a screenshot, like a a pretty well rendered pixel art thing. Um, as like your story beat and then it moves to the next level. I thought that because I had taken, I had died in one of the levels and then it lets you continue like, oh, you sustained, you sustained, uh, uh, like a, a terrible injury, but then you get to continue. Then the next level said that like, oh, okay, you healed your wounds and now you move on to the next. I thought that that was only there because I had actually, uh, lost a life and then continued but it sounds like it was just going to show up regardless,
0: <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. That's your imagination telling yeah. the
2: story, um, yeah.
0: Which is something we, you know, a lot of people rely on and stuff like that. And I'm sure, you know, the game. Like, I wouldn't consider that a negative thing, you know. Like, I no, think I don't. you yeah, no, no. I'm saying you're right. Like you were saying, these are all like bonus things. We're not saying that the actual like gameplay loop itself is bad, but like when you're gonna throw these things into it here's how you actually take them to the next level
1: yeah
0: (laughs) it's nice that you put them in there but here's how you do it even better (laughs) yeah exactly
1: um
0: so Sam, sam yeah how did i was gonna ask how did you feel um like you know just not in any particular level but just in the actual light gun experience and the enemies on screen was it a challenging experience was it a fun experience it could it can be both things can be challenging and fun i'd love to hear your thoughts
1: With my, you're asking specifically with my trackpad light gun?
0: Um, oh, actually, no, no, because you play with the controller, like, just your controller experience, like, just with the gameplay in general, like, thinking about how they built these levels out, is that, is it fun to take down the enemy soldiers and advance through the stages?
1: I would say, yeah, I think it's really fun. I think that it is challenging as you get to, you know, higher levels, but it's... I once you get used to the sensitivity and kind of the the rhythm of the game itself, the rhythm of the gameplay and the loop, I think it, it, they do it really successfully, and I think it's fun. It's fun to you know decide when to use your grenades. It's fun to shoot the little. I, I feel bad about it, shooting the birds in the background to get more grenades. And I feel like also <laughs> this is this is an aside, but you know playing Zelda growing up, where if you hurt the chicken, the the, the cuckoo. Um, you die in Zelda, whereas in this it's like, oh, you got to keep shooting the chicken to get more grenades, and I'm like, really? Like this isn't this is some <laughs> kind of trick? So I that that threw me a little bit, but I got I got over it. Uh, anyway,
0: I it, it, it didn't help that the chickens looked exactly the same though. But, yeah, like, those are like those are Legend of Zelda chickens. Yeah,
1: they are. Maybe Legend of Zelda. I mean, those are like that's like an Ocarina of Time thing, right? Or Link to the Past or Link to the Past. Yeah. yeah. So maybe they got it from this. I don't know, but um, uh, yeah, I played too I thought, much
2: Spyro as a kid to not want to harm the small animals moving around.
1: Oh, gotcha. Um, but to answer your question, I think that it's fun, it's satisfying, and it is hard. And I think that all all those things, you know, go into go into a really, a really solid game that I wasn't really expecting.
2: What about you, Sean? I. I, you know, I just don't think that I can judge it fully having not played the actual experience. Like, I can't play a VR game, mouse and keyboard, and say this is the game that it was meant to be. Um, I, as the, like, sort of um, – the sort of handicapped version of the game that I did play, it was surprisingly well controllable, um, knowing full well that this wasn't, like, what it was designed to be. So it was a cool like, like backup mode that I played, and I thought that like, okay, as a backup mode, this is pretty good. Um, but knowing that it was a light gun game that I wasn't playing with a light gun, I I I don't know if I can give a full review. Um, sure, and I know that you know it's kind of useless that I'm here for this, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah.
0: You're never useless. Oh, um, thanks, Mike. And, you know, just speaking again on, like, the the, the gameplay and storytelling mix, uh, there are two different ways. I mean, there's a couple of other ways, but those are more specific to the levels that you're playing in. There are two very distinct ways to lose in this game, and that would be your damage bar completely uh, – damage bar. Your health bar uh, filling up with too much damage. I guess that's what I was trying to say. And that causes you to die, and the, and the screen does tell you that you died. Um, but then – also, if you run out of all supplies, yeah, uh, you lose as well. But in a twist of things, you don't lose because you didn't have anything. Like you, you know, you just got shot at until you died. You were actually taken as a prisoner uh, as a yeah. result of not having yeah. your supplies. So I think that's like a, a an interesting way of like creating another kind of game over scenario. Um, that actually like makes sense and is and is agreeable. Like I thought, like wow, that's really cool because the whole idea is that you're taking you're taking back the hostages, and now you have kind of become one.
1: Yeah, it's a very thoughtful choice.
2: Yeah, I'd say that this is sort of like the most immersive NES like gun game because of uh, the different fail states and how it presents that to you after each uh, each level. Um, not. Not to say anything bad about the FBI simulator um, or or even uh, Joe's favorite duck hunt, but I, I did like that this has a little bit more this ha- this has a little bit more bells and whistles than we're used to in the light gun game,
0: which makes me ask, okay, duck hunt, you know you're saying Joe's darling. Uh, <laughs> that is a game that we consider essential. yeah, this is just adding a lot more action onto the screen um, you know and, and more to do if you will than duck hunt was ever offering i'm i'm just leading a question here so don't t- you know don't say like oh mike's you know like i'm just trying to make the conversation does that make this game better just because there's more stuff to do and it's basically still duck hunt i mean you even get to shoot ducks as sam mentioned but
2: i don't well, know they're if chickens. i chickens. say that but <laughs> no
1: there's ducks too oh oh well yeah
2: Uh, I I can't say that. That's that. That's like I I don't know if more of well, take the question. Take the question here, then.
0: Okay, so forget that I said Duck Hunt and this game specifically. I guess you know the leading question there was: Does adding more things just make a game better? Like, like the more features, like is it just inherent that eventually, like if we ever get to Super Nintendo games, just the fact that they have more to offer and that they have more every game's essential. Right, that, like that, like those games are essential, and these games, you know, like all these NES games, just kind of get wiped out because they're no. not as feature
2: rich. No, I don't. No. I don't think so. I think, I think that the, the. Go ahead. Go oh, ahead, Sam. I think,
1: uh, I think that there's, you know, there's a certain degree of polish that you have to take into account, and how much, you know, how much all the elements of the game kind of create the game's identity, and if you're just throwing a bunch of stuff and kind of seeing what sticks, that's not as clean and it's not as you know as good and immersive as a time as a game that only has a couple things but they have it extremely catered to one specific kind of gameplay like duck hunt where there's not a lot that you do in duck hunt but what you you know the game that you do play is so refined that it's a great time so i think that there's something to be said about for for that
2: and I also think that, like as as the people that are on this podcast, like that hyper maximalist apo- approach. Sorry, that hyper maximalist approach that you sort of seem to be describing, Mike. Uh, nobody that's doing a review of of games that are forty years old um, would actually be like well suited for because everything's going to suck because. I think if you if you bring that to a logical conclusion, that just means that like, oh, no, it just has to be modern games that are all modern games are better than all old games because they have more going on. Uh, but I mean, that's that's just sort of taking it to the extreme.
1: I was going to say, take something like new Assassin's Creed games when they come out. They're just so full of stuff that if you actually want to complete yeah. them, it's going to take forever and you're just not going to have a good time doing it. So it, you know, quantity doesn't equal quality.
0: Agreed. Yeah, I think that's a. Gr- I think it's a great point, Sam. And uh, you know, both of you brought up a great point of like, I don't know if it's a consequence of us doing this podcast or not, but like, I actually can't enjoy most modern games because of how much there is to do in them and how much of it feels like it's just added. It doesn't actually mean much in completing it. It's just like, oh, cool. This is how we. This is how we get people to justify our sixty dollar now, sometimes seventy dollar game. You know. Uh. So I agree. That Duck Hunt and this game probably shouldn't be compared. But the idea of, like, you know, adding more things to make a game better is a topic worth talking about. And I think we did it pretty well. Yeah, we did a good job. Pat ourselves on the back. This episode's (laughs) over. (laughs) No, no, we have a little more to talk about. Uh, And the thing I wanted to talk about last about the gameplay, unless you guys have other things you want to bring up, is. You know we were talking about like oh there should have been or maybe there could have been a bigger bad or like a you know a final boss thing that actually like builds up to or or happens in each stage and then really only happens as far as I can remember really only happens twice in the game and the the most prominent time is the one at the end where you're like taking down the helicopter and everything which I guess you could consider a boss but it's just part of that stage. The jungle stage is had this weird moment where, like, there actually is a female being taken hostage by an enemy oh, yeah, soldier. Oh, that was weird. And you have to, like, you know, like, you have to be a really good marksman because it's really easy to shoot the girl because of how close they are <laughs> together. For, for you know, for a game that's basically just measuring squares to determine if you hit the right square or not, I could see a lot of people screwing that up, myself included. I screwed it up a lot. Okay. Um, I want to say real...
2: Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so... I, t- I took a, p- a couple pot shots at him, and I definitely hit him and not his hostage because there was some, like, screen jitter or whatever. Um, and then I accidentally threw a grenade over his right shoulder, and then he died and his hostage stayed alive. So I guess sometimes making uh, a mistake of of thumbs uh, <laughs> in a completely different direction, like, that was, was explosive let's use explosives for this uh, precision target, um, that can work sometimes too. <laughs> That's really interesting to think that they maybe never considered somebody would throw a grenade in a hostage
0: situation <laughs> and didn't program a death for her I don't in, know.
1: That,
0: in that situation. Um, I guess what I mean is like I'm, I would have just taken even that at the end of every single stage, like some kind of hostage. Some kind uh, of challenge. Challenge. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, okay, you, you defeated all like the generic enemies that we littered through the stage. Now here's like the actual moment to save a hostage or a prisoner of war or what have you. And, uh, it's weird that it just kind of happens in the second mission and then just doesn't get brought up again.
2: Yeah, it's strange.
0: So real quick on the sequels and spinoffs here. There are actually quite a few sequels to Operation Wolf, and they are true sequels. They're not just like, you know, oh, made by the same uh, people or what have you. So the first one is Operation Thunderbolt. um, And this is, you know, it went to the Super Nintendo instead of the NES. So I guess that brings up the same argument again of like, if you ever got around to the Super NES version of playing this game, would that defeat the purpose of going back? I think the three of us would argue no, like try both, um, especially if you're interested in trying old video games. but from from what I can tell, this one is mostly um, you know just a a follow up in every in every sense uh, of the imagination, except for there are some more like one on one moments with boss fights, uh, which just essentially come down to two people shooting at each other which might be too ridiculous of an idea when you think about it. Like just two people (laughs) constantly shooting at each other and they can take multiple bullet wounds before either one of them goes down. I mean, I like
2: it. It's very 80s action movie, even though I'm sure these are in the 90s now.
0: Operation Thunderbolt actually was uh, first released in 1988 because they they always go to the arcades. But yeah, Uh, I think the Super NES version, yeah, it's like way late. It's like 94 or something like that.
2: That makes sense. Oh, you know
0: what? Fun fact, though, looking at the Super NES version here, works with the Super Scope, right? The Zapper, like, level up, but also works with the uh, the mouse for the Super Nintendo.
1: Oh. That's so, mouse and keyboard gangster.
0: Yeah, right. And that's, like, an interesting thing because, like, I know some modern NES emulators allow you to use a mouse to, like, act as your Zapper. And in a way, so could the Super Nintendo. <laughs> After that, we have Operation Wolf 3, which um, Uh, also came out in 1990. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I guess, like, technically, um, you know, Operation Thunderbolt was Operation Wolf 2. Yeah. So Operation Wolf 3, even though you would never know that, uh, is an arcade-only game. And um, I think the, uh, the, the only difference here that I can tell is that... Uh, cast players as counter-terrorist operatives and it's the only game in the series to feature graphics composed of digitized photographs
2: okay yeah and only game in the series to do that
0: yes yeah yeah so but I'm saying like do you remember that like that was a popular thing in arcade games for a while yeah
1: like Mortal Kombat that kind of deal right
0: yeah Mad Dog McRae was Uh, another like shooter game that did that
1: yeah
2: was it NARC or is it another I don't remember what the name of it was I don't
0: remember there's a they're referencing Lethal Enforcers, which is really funny. Um I'm just looking at this now, but uh that's like that's like a movie that got turned into a video game, you know? Um but digitized photographs as an idea. I think they could try that again.
2: I think we should see. I, I think it's a cool thing for nostalgia. Yeah. Like there regular nostalgia, not Yeah,
0: yeah, not nostalgia.
1: Nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and the last game, Operation Tiger, which is funny that, like, you know, it's like o- Operation Wolf is just like, no, the kids need something new. And then they're like, Operation Tiger. Like, what's, <laughs> like where was Operation Lion? I want yeah. that game. Where's Operation um, Bear? Or Operation Tiger 3. <laughs> um, <laughs> Operation Tiger, uh, otherwise known as Operation Wolf 4, we'll call it. Um, it came to the arcades only. And you know, I really couldn't find too much about this game, but it says you're a you're a soldier who has to shoot his way through six rounds of battlefield in an attempt to rescue captured soldiers. Yeah, so I you're a bad I, I enough like, dude. Yeah, yeah, but I just think I gotta wonder like, did it did the like idea of these games warrant like four of them? Like it seems like every time it's just the same thing, but like now with the latest graphics and features in mind like you know now it's 1998 so we got to make another one that looks like a ps1 game
2: yeah i mean i don't know what the what the legacy of this game is i don't know if it was any pioneer of any sort of kind any sort of gameplay but like just looking at these in sequence it's definitely each each game is a pretty significant step uh, moving from a, an NES light gun game to basically Time Crisis. Like Operation Tiger is just basically a Time Crisis clone. I don't know which came first. I imagine Time Crisis. <laughs> but uh, the, it, you can see each step gets closer and closer to what we recognize now as an arcade uh, physical gun shooter.
0: Yeah, and I could I could also see that, you know, in some ways, I'm sure this Operation Wolf franchise is also responsible, as we mentioned earlier, like, for games like Time Crisis, House of the Dead, Virtua Cop, um, Mad Dog McCrae. Like, I, I'm sure, in a way, Operation Wolf, like, you know, started some things. Yeah. I'm not going to say that it was the only one responsible, but um, – and, you know, I definitely don't believe, like, you know, well, you know, Time Crisis wouldn't exist without it, but in a way – it paves the future for those kinds of games.
2: Yeah. Possibly.
0: Now, now, yeah, possibly. Now, some versions of this arcade game, Operation Wolf, the one we reviewed today, some versions, like, for, like, the Sega Master System and stuff, like, they don't have light gun controls. You just use the D-pad, and you just play the way Sam did, which apparently, not too bad of a, of a flaw. Obviously, people who want to take the arcade experience home would also want the light gun experience, But here's where things get really strange. The Virtual Console re-release of Operation Wolf does not feature any kind of light gun support.
2: You mean Virtual
0: Console
1: on Wii?
2: On Wii, including the Wii
0: Remote. Like, why wouldn't you be able to just use the Wii Remote? um, That's a missed
1: opportunity right there
0: on this game. Which, which, but if you remember, you know, I think like three years ago, I, uh, me and Joe played. I think, Hogan's Alley. And we played that on the virtual console using the Wii Remote because we didn't have a Zapper yet. And that's how we experienced that game. So it's like almost, you know, Nintendo cared about their own, but not when it came to like Mm -hmm. any Zapper NES game. They're like, no, we're not going to build in this functionality. So the game is only played today with a standard controller. And I got to say, like, you know, on, on the developer's side, like, that's pretty neat because... This is a game that you can still play today, even though it was intended to be used with something that, you know, arguably nobody just has at the ready other than people with, like, massive garages.
2: Yeah, it's also kind of disappointing, though, because, I mean, I guess one could argue, it's like, oh, it's not as simple as just putting the data on online and having an emulator ready because you also have to, like, basically port the controls of the Wii Remote but, but like you could say that, but we already saw it done. We already saw it done with Hogan's Alley, so there's less of an excuse for that. Um, but I guess, like you know, you're right. It's like it was their own game. They're obviously going to prioritize that. It sucks that you can't really experience it in that same way without having the old hardware. But I guess uh, that's why they have the uh, alternate modes.
0: All right, I think that about covers Operation Wolf. Uh, We're talking about this a lot longer than I expected. I don't know about you two guys, but um, I think the only next logical step in the the podcast, something that has not changed, even though I heard the sounds of the waves and thought about what the podcast (laughs) should be and could be, it definitely still is a podcast where we, at the end of every episode – review whether it should be in a uh, list of games that we think are still worth playing today. And that list is called The Essential Games List. (laughs) Now, I feel weird saying this to start The Essential Games List, but I think it it needs to be said because it's still technically relevant to the episode and I don't want it to sway anyone's opinion here. But Operation Wolf was the golden joystick winner of 1988. Wow. And that's a very prestigious award, um, you know, that The Last of Us Part 2 is the most recent recipient of that award. <laughs> wow. And so it's in good company. Um, it's also, I think, God of War and um, Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, all those things um, are the golden joystick winners. But and... that's
1: not the essential games list. <laughs> right. That's the essential <laughs> games
0: list. And now we're going to find out, okay, starting with Sam, we're going to find out if, Operation Wolf makes it onto the essential games list.
1: Sam? I think that this game has a lot going for it. I think that it's very polished. It has interesting story beats. It has interesting fail states, like we talked about. Um, And I think it's also got a great, really good core loop with a lot of different features involved. And I'd rather play this than Gotcha the Sport. You know? Um, Yeah. So I think because of how innovative it is as a kind of on rail shooter, that's 8-bit, that is still fun to play with tight controls, I'm going to say this is an essential NES game. And that is one vote
0: for an essential uh, game. Now, uh, either if Sean or I puts it on the essential games list, it will become an essential game. And we will, do, we will find that out right now with
2: Sean. Um all right, so like I said before, I I haven't experienced this game entirely as it should have. And I and I know that like it's it's designed to be played with a light gun or with a controller moving a cursor around a screen. But I still believe that this game is meant to be played with a light gun. Um, I, I did enjoy playing this game Uh, With the cursor, I don't think that I can, in good consciousness, say that it's essential based on that experience, but I would 100% be willing to revisit this in our Best of 89 episode um, if this doesn't get on the Essential Games list today, uh, having played it in the other state. Um, but as of right now, I cannot put it on the essential games list just because I played half the game pretty much. I think that's a fair assessment. It's like an Sean. abstain. And, uh, I don't know if
1: we've had that. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I don't know. How, I don't know how
0: that affects like what percentage of people need to vote now. But it's a no. I'm going to take that as a, I'm gonna say it as a no. Right, right. right. Yeah. It's a no. It's a no. Well, here, here's the thing about Operation Wolf. Everything that um, I complained about in this episode was just like from my mind running wild of like how they could have taken it further. And that's really because I enjoyed my time with the game a lot. And I feel like, you know, I just wanted more almost out of selfishness. Like they definitely provided, as we were talking about in the game, they, they provided a polished game here, uh, that yeah, like at times are there a lot of enemies on the screen? Sure. But do they give you a large health bar and plenty of time to take out these enemies? Yes. Like, you always get resupplied. Like power ups, just drop all the time. It it feels good to keep playing the game, and it does feel like you're making solid progress as long as you keep playing. I'm not saying you're gonna beat this on your first time through, but what kind of game is that? Who wants that experience? Babies. Where this? Yeah, where this stands on like Zapper games, this is the best one. This is I, look. A lot of people know this. I was never too hot on Duck Hunt to begin with. Um,
2: <laughs> it's like it's like only this comfortable is, this to is, say that when Joe isn't here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: that's true, but, um, you know, I think with Duck Hunt, that also, you know, it's on our essential games list, and I'm not saying, like, only one Zapper game can survive, I guess what I'm saying is, is, like, through the six or seven levels, however many there are in this game, I felt like I was getting a, a good experience as I was going through them, and there are some different, you know, like, there's some different rewards for completing the levels. There's some different things that happen in the levels. It's not just the same, like, shoot them all and move on to the next. It's the right amount of, like, action in a 8-bit light gun game. I can't say, like, how the arcade game version plays. I didn't, I didn't play the arcade one. And so I, I, I can't tell you if it's better or worse. But for an 8-bit NES game, I feel like this is the zapper game to play. This is the one that's going to resonate most with people who play video games today. And for that reason, it's on the Essential Games list. We did it, Sam. Yes! It is.
2: I will say we don't that... Have to, like, we don't
0: have to wait till the 89 episode.
2: <laughs> I will say that, like, uh, of any of the light gun games post, I guess, gumshoe, uh, th- this has been the most interesting, regardless if I was able to play it correctly or not. So... I I don't feel bad that it's on the essential games list. I I almost wish that I could have been a part of it, but you know, I have I have more morals to uphold.
0: Yeah, but you know how like every I want every game to have like a big bad and a villain and stuff like that. The podcast I was thinking about it when I was hearing the waves and what the podcast should be and stuff <laughs> like that. I was realizing like you should really be the, the enemy of this, I'm the villain. You know? Yeah, you should be the villain who like. Pulls the rug from under us every
2: essential games list. I mean, I think you know, if you were to go into the statistics of the show, I think I'm a vote on ninety something percent of all the essential games list. Uh, uh, if you you know, if you want to get to the brass tacks of it, so you're trying to say I'm the enemy? I would say that you're the, the enemy. Show. I would say so.
0: I mean, I'm the enemy of all Zelda two. Yeah, that's what. I, that's exactly <laughs> what I
1: was going to say. Yeah.
2: Um. Which, speaking of,
0: I will tell you right now. I think Operation Wolf being on the Essential Games list and Zelda Two not makes perfect sense to me.
2: <laughs> I would say the same.
0: Yeah, there you go. Okay, great. Uh, so we're in agreement. Next week we have the Adventures of Bayou Billy. Um, Ooh. You know, now I don't know. I don't know enough. Uh, of I don't know enough words in the English dictionary. So is there something I should be able to tell about this game uh, based on that title, other than it potentially being a Like, adventure game and a
2: western setting? Bayou is Louisiana.
0: There you go. So, it's already, I'm already wrong.
2: Yes, you are. So, it's like, um, what what, what would be, like, are we going to be in the mud? I would say this is probably going to be closer to, uh, um, no, I was going to say Deliverance, but that's more Appalachia. Um, It's a
0: 2D swamp (laughs) platform. Yes,
2: there you go. That's a perfect explanation of what I imagine this game to be. Sam final guess, what is The Adventures of Bayou Billy?
1: Hmm. I I'm also going to guess 2D swamp platformer. I'm guessing lily pads are going to have something to do with it because that seems like Okay. You know, that seems like a gimme for um Is it going to be a math-based
2: game with like fractions?
1: Oh, I hope not. <laughs> I hope they don't trick me like that. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think that's probably like the PC spin-off game, <laughs> uh The Math Adventures of Bayou Billy. Like did you ever notice that? There were so many like Computer, math, and reading games yeah. based on,
2: like, beloved IPs. Yeah, I still have some memories of the Sonic, uh, the the Hedgehog one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not even talking about just video game characters. I'm talking about, like, you'd buy, like, Lion King on PC, and it turned out to be, like, a crossword game. It's like, yeah, shut <laughs> up. Like, I wanted to play as Timon and Pumbaa. That's true. Uh, All right. well, you know, maybe one day we'll play as Timon and Pumbaa. Probably not on the NES, uh, because Lion King didn't come out until 1994, and the console ends in 1994. But we will be playing a lot of other games, and we'll be reviewing them, and we'll be doing the Essential Games list, and it's all up to you people, the listeners, to tell us just how wrong we are and I'm not saying how correct we are because you guys really only tell us when we're wrong. Yeah. I never really get like a, oh, my God, you guys nailed it. Uh, <laughs> it's never happened. It's never happened. No, not much praise from the, from the listeners out there.
2: No, that's okay.
0: Yeah, it is okay. And uh, another thing, though, we do like hearing from you guys, whether it's uh, positive or negative. So please tweet at us at NostalgiaCast um, where, you know, after this episode, I'll be posting an image of all of the games that we have voted an essential game so far. So you can see that Zelda 2 is still not on Ugh. there. and that, Tragedy. Um, you know, balloon fight will never leave. True that. Because I, uh, yeah, because I believe in it. And if you believe in the fight of balloons, you can believe in almost anything.
1: Yeah.